Fukushima Dreams, Chapter 4 That afternoon, Sachiko decided to go and search for her family herself. There had been no news of them, but survivors were still being dug out from the rubble. Maybe if she went back to the house, she could find a clue as to where they'd gone, what had become of them. Harry would go there too, to search for her, if he were still alive. Either way, it was better than sitting here, knowing nothing. As she climbed down the steps from the shrine where the villagers had taken refuge, the ground began to tremble with another of the strong aftershocks. She paused and held on to the rail, wondering if she, what was she, she was doing was wise. The tremor was short-lived, only a few seconds. She decided to go on. She climbed the few remaining steps to the roadway and followed it the short distance to the village proper. It took her many minutes to orient herself in the main street. Everything was in the wrong place, messy. She tried to make some pattern out of the chaos, splintered wood and stone, cars crushed and cast about like some giant petulant child who'd grown bored of his toys and tossed them away. Here and there a structure remained standing, one building seemingly anchored to the earth by the fishing boat that rested at a crazy angle on its roof. Eventually she located the remains of their house. The small prefabs had been levelled utterly by the fury of the waves, until nothing but the foundations remained to hint at what had once been a home. Some things seemed to have come through the disaster unscathed, a child's school bag rested clean on a pile of shattered wood. Near it, a teddy bear and some flowers formed an offering to the departed. Underneath her feet, the crunch of shattered glass. Dozens of photographs, books, letters, mud-stained and all but illegible. Eventually she found what she thought must be the place. It seemed a miracle that she'd been pulled alive from the mess with nothing but a bump on the head and some scrapes to tell for her ordeal. The roof of the building had been ripped off and lay some 100 metres away. With a shock, she saw Tashi's bouncer, the fabric stained and ripped with the frame intact. Gradually, more familiar items appeared, as if clarified from the general chaos. Items of clothing, odd chopsticks, Fragments of china bearing remembered patterns. She knelt carefully and began to sift through the rubbish, searching for she knew not what, the grey sky pressing on her, shutting her in with the immensity of their loss. There were no clues here to what had become of Harry and Tashi, unless they lay buried beneath the rubble, but it didn't seem deep enough for people to be trapped underneath. She listened but the morning was silent. In the distance, striking in their red hazard suits, members of the volunteer fire corps continued to search for bodies. As they completed each quarter, they left markers to show where they had been, and looking around, Sachiko could see similar markers around her. It looked like the area had already been combed thoroughly. She didn't know why she had come, Maybe just to prove to herself that they were really gone, that they were nowhere to be found, 
to start the process of grieving. She closed her eyes and bowed her head, feeling a swelling misery that filled her until she thought her heart would burst. It was as if she hadn't known how much she loved Tashi until that moment, as if her love for him had been masked by the months of distance, of isolation, and now that mist had been swept aside to make room for grief such as she had never known. She realised that she was crying, feeling the tears coursing down her face, her breath coming in gasps. She'd never known emotional pain could have so physical a manifestation. A part of her had hoped that they would be found, had clung on to that thought. But looking at the devastation around her, she felt the knowledge that they were lost forever clunk into her brain like a key into a lock and turn. Suddenly, the ground began to shake again and she heard shouts from the red-suited figures in the distance. She looked over to where they were and saw they had dropped to the ground, were barely visible amidst the wreckage. At that moment, she didn't care if she lived or died. For life seemed pointless to her now. The journey back to humanity, a mountain that she could never climb.